for Delaware State of the Arts. I'm Andy Truscott. My guests today are from the Wilmington Concert Opera. Wilmington Concert Opera, an exclusively woman and minority-run company, was founded on principles of diversity, inclusivity, and accessibility. Annually, they present the works of dozens of local opera singers and find ways to bring them in front of new audiences statewide. Upcoming November 10th through 12th is your next performance of Hansel and Gretel. Let's just jump in. Tell me a little bit more about it. Well, it is our part of our mission to do a full opera in its original language every year. And so we will be doing a rarity, Hansel und Gretel auf Deutsch in German um, in its entirety. Um, it's almost always presented cut down in English. We're very excited about that. It's a beautiful work. Obviously, it has both very beautiful music for the the opera lover and the person who would like complex and beautiful music, but it also has beautiful tunes and a wonderful, you know, Brothers Grimm story. It is family friendly. All of our performances are family friendly, but we're really excited this time to bring a very specific family friendly matinee on November 12th at 2. That is a family friendly, sensory friendly performance, snacks and fidgets and a gingerbread house building craft at one o'clock before the performance. Um, we'll, we'll let the gingerbread houses set during the performance. You can take them home afterwards. There's a costume parade at intermission. There's just all kinds of fun things happening. And we really hope that people will bring their children and have a great time because we really think this is a great piece to introduce your kids to opera and also you know, if they already like opera, you should still bring them. Yeah, we're also going to be, normally we're in gowns and tuxedos, and this time we'll be in a little bit more um, individualized costume type wear. It will still be concert version, and there will be super titles so that you can read what's going on in English in case you're worried about the German. Um, it, if you think you don't know any music from Hensel and Gretel, you do. It's actually um, got a very, very famous lullaby that you've heard probably in commercials or on children's toys, things like that. And it's it's just a beautiful piece of music. It's not an extremely long opera. It's a lot of fun. And I think that um, every audience member will really enjoy this. It's it's something that our singers and pianists enjoy and love a lot. And I think the audience also really just hones in on the beauty of the music and also the fun story. You know, it's something we all know and love from our childhoods. Talk to me a little bit about how youth and art started for you both. Uh, and then what you hope performances like this do to kind of uh, engage and make them aware of some of the offerings that are out there for them. I started out in the arts as young as I can remember. I started out in ballet at age two and uh, took piano lessons very young. My mother played piano and had been a dancer I loved musical theater growing up, as I think many of us opera singers tended to to do, and I was very active in musical theater. And when I was 12, I started voice lessons, and my teacher got me started on the trajectory of singing classical music. And so for me, that opened that door, and she also got me involved in my very first opera, which was just a gateway for everything else. So for me, that's how that started, but... I think for us as a team here and also as a, as a company, um, we realize that if you reach children young, that they can fall in love with anything that you put in front of them, whether it's sports or, or arts or whatever that might be. So we want to at least provide the opportunity for people to have the experience of being able to see opera for free in their own community. 
And that's really what is, you know, the cornerstone of our mission. We want to bring professional quality opera, world-class opera to Delaware for free for the masses. And that is really what it's all about so that they can have the exposure to have that experience. And hopefully they will come away with at least a great time, if not a newfound love of music. I also definitely was, you know, in, in, in the theater as young as I can remember, but actually from, from the backstage side, my mother costumed theater and dance when I was a small child. So some of my first childhood memories were going to the dance store and looking for loose sequins on the floor and going to costume fittings because I was the costumer's daughter, I made my professional dance debut at nine because they needed a child for the modern dance piece. And they knew that I was capable of sitting still for 15 minutes, which was really the main choreographic requirement for the piece. I know I always sang. I did dance a little as a, besides, you know, accidentally professional dancing. I did take ballet as a small child. Um, and then I also started voice lessons at 12 and you know, that the Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis were such like a gateway uh, for, for those of us who were already singing in the, the early 90s. Um, and if you found that that was a thing that, you know, suited your voice, then, you know, quickly the voice teacher's like, but would you like to? Um, and the answer is, yes, I would like to. I would like to sing that that Mozart or that, that Mendelssohn or, or whatever. What are some ways that parents or guardians can uh, expose their children to what to expect from the opera before they arrive? What do you think are some effective ways that someone might let their their child know what to expect before they arrive that day? Well, I think there are your traditional standard answers, right? Like there's like, the, show them a video on YouTube um, or read the story beforehand, read the synopsis. Those are the things that we tell people all the time. For this particular production, we actually have outreach events that they can go to. There are a few events that are actually planned that, they could specifically take their child to the the most prominent one i think is the halloween uh, fall festival and spectacular at presbyterian church of the covenant which is also the location for our performances um that is from two to five on october 28th it is family friendly very family friendly lots of events and you can hear snippets from the opera so that you can hear um, the witch's aria and one of Gretel's arias and, and they'll be explaining what's going on too. So that's a small taste to see if it's something that they can enjoy and sit through. Also with our sensory friendly produ- production date of November 12th, if they are just not feeling it, you can take them out. You can go have them have a cool down in the cool down room and come back. And that's okay. We're absolutely open to that. We want it to be accessible. And so I think that that is the prime goal of November 12th's performance. Yes, we plan to give you a fantastic performance as well, but we want it to be something where people can feel that they are having that experience, whether or not they're, the children are ready to sit through an entire show, or if it's just brand new to them. You know, uh, It might be that this is something that they they could be an older child, but they've never sat through an opera before and they might not know what to think. So, yeah, I think exposure um, is or before they come is great. If not, that's OK, too. And it's all right. We, we are open to that and we're we're perfectly fine 
if there's a rapper in the middle of the performance, you know, that's okay. Something like that. Something that might be frowned upon at a bigger theater or a more grandiose site. Something I've heard with uh, sensory friendly performances, they're sometimes called relaxed performances with the idea, right, that the rules are relaxed, air quotes, that if you're really excited about what's going on, you can clap in the middle of the song. Everything will be okay. You know, lights can be up. Similarly, you can walk out of the event to kind of decompress and come back in without kind of that judgment from other audience members around you. And so I'm thrilled to hear that it's it's finding its way deeper and deeper into some of our organizations in Delaware. Hansel and Gretel is, is the end of your 2023 calendar season Talk to us about some of the highlights. What were some of the great successes? What were some of your favorite moments? So, I mean, that the highlight of, of 2023 really is is the realization of this season. The title of the season, all of our seasons have titles, is back to before. And for us as a company whose mission is both about bringing opera to new audiences and also about supporting local singers, when we say back to before, what we mean is that the two productions we did this year, the Belcanto Gala and Hansel and Gretel, were the reopening of the contracts for the productions we did not do in 2020. We thought it was really important to honor the intention and the contracts for that work. But that was the big, the big joy of the season is that, and of course also that, you know, Hansel and Gretel is just going to be so fun and multi-layered and exciting and beautiful and rewarding to sing and rewarding to listen to and hopefully as Kirsten said you know a joyful and comfortable place for audiences to be you know we we like to think it's always a safe place to say yay in the middle of the aria we we would we would rather have your joyful noise than than not have you bring your children and to any of the performances you know if if Sunday doesn't work for you and you want to come to this Friday night performance and you have your children with you that is also great. Yeah, we actually had a dog bark in one of our performances um, for Girondines. And I remember that that was a new experience for all of us. We didn't expect that. Somebody had brought their service dog and it was uh, just kind of a, oh, there's a bark there, <laughs> you know, but we, we were fine. We made it through no, with no problems. How do you feel like your artists have kind of rallied and gathered around you as the organization has grown? I think that from what I noticed, everyone was very grateful to have a contract um, actually followed through with uh, from 2020, we were able to increase their pay from what we initially planned, which was really appreciated because, you know, we are back, so to speak, but it's still rough. I mean, COVID is still very much here. We've got another wave coming. There are things happening. So trying to do group numbers is tricky because you might lose somebody at the last minute. And we have, we have been in that situation where we've lost somebody at the last minute and had to regroup the morning of a performance, you know? So it's, it's tricky. We're still navigating that as a whole, as an industry, but I think the, the singers and all of the musicians, I don't want to just limit it to the singers have all been grateful for the work. And I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I think that they enjoy working with us. I mean, I've gotten the impression that the vast majority of people I've talked to have been very happy to work with us and in an environment where they know they can bring their child if they can't get a babysitter or they can come late if there's a problem with traffic and we are not going to dock their pay. I think that it's been very positive overall. You know, to speak to your, your the corner of your question about, you know, the caliber of artists, you know, the caliber of, you know, there's obviously there's a core of singers, you know, every company has singers that you you bring back time and again because they're great and you like working with them. 
Um, we're always, always looking to, to hear new voices and the caliber of submissions that we receive and the number of them continues to increase. And frequently they do come addressed with other singer friend who has worked with you said that I should apply and has said X, Y, and Z wonderful things about the experience of working with you. And we do try to include at least one or two new people for every concert, even if we are solidly bringing back a, a large number. But we, we use new people all the time. And the other thing is, is that we still have our virtual recitals going. So that's one nice thing that we have for both local and further out distant people that they have opportunities to be heard that way or bring new repertoire to our audiences that we wouldn't have otherwise. Like, for example, we had had a Filipino recital of all Filipino music um, that we would not have had otherwise if we hadn't had this virtual recital series. So it's still something that we um, are are always expanding our singer base for that reason. I mean, we had a delightful virtual recital in September that was all relatively new music. I mean, within the last 10 years, I think, by living composers who were all friends with the soprano who programmed it. You know, that was like a really cool niche lane of things, but it was all just such fun. And she was clearly having such fun performing. It was beautifully sung. Highly recommend checking it out. It is on our YouTube channel. That's something people can do with their children too, is if they want to just get a taste of what we do. We do have excerpts from our big concerts, but we also have all these virtual recitals and most of them have little breakaway introductions and things like that too, just to kind of set the scene. As we look forward into 2024, you've got a whole set of upcoming performances and other kind of new new initiatives coming. Tell us a little bit about what we can expect to see from Wilmington Concert Opera into the 2024 year. Well, I think we're really excited about this season. Um, we have, again, our gala and our full opera. The full opera is Die Fledermaus. And that will be, that is tentatively scheduled for September of 2024. And that is an operetta and it's lots of fun. It's comic and we, we haven't done too many comedic operas, but, but this one will be lots of fun. It's again in German, but we will do an English uh, dialogue for that um, just to make it more accessible. Um, there's no reason for us to try to be butchering spoken German if we don't have to too much. Um, in that, there is a famous aria called the Chardash. And uh, the translation for that is loosely Voice of Home, Voices of Home. So that is the title of our gala, which will actually happen uh, before Deflator Mouse. That will happen in early May. And that is going to be about a curated program for voice uh, for pieces based on the individual heritages of the different singers on the program. So um, that is based on both heritage and ethnicity. We have a nice variety of singers scheduled for that of all different types of heritages, which is really exciting for us. We're going to be able to feature music that we wouldn't be able to feature otherwise. And I'm working specifically with each singer to try to make sure that we are honoring their heritage uh, in ways that they feel is done in a sincere and honorable way. So um, we have we have all sorts of different types of people. We have a Filipino singer. We have Native American singers. We have African-American singers. We have singers of Jewish heritage. We have all sorts of different singers. So they will all be doing things that are either, if they only have one heritage that they want to showcase, uh, we will be f- focusing on that, whether it's with a composer or a poet. 
And we will also be dealing with people who have multiple heritages. And with those, uh, they will be showcasing some or all of their heritages based on what they feel they want to feature. And then additionally, we will be throwing in some things about home and homeland that can open up the variety of pieces for ensemble work. Um, one specific example that we plan to do is Journey On from Ragtime. So that will be something that we can do that features the idea of going home or coming to a new home. Um, Anthem from Chess will be on there. And um, specifically, I know we're looking at um, Opatria Mia from Aida as well. So those are all things that are not specifically about someone's individual heritage, but they talk about homeland as a whole. So that ties the program together as well. We're very excited about that. We think the um, audiences will love it. It's different from anything we've done before. And I know that our musicians are extremely excited about the prospect of showcasing who they are on a different level. Can you share some personal anecdotes or stories that illustrate the impact of these diversity and inclusivity efforts for the organization? Specifically to me, I, you know, Marissa and I are both women, obviously. Marissa has a Jewish background. I am Native American. So right there, we are not your stereotypical CEOs, if you will. We, we, we bring a different perspective just based on who we are. And I think that that is something that we have always acknowledged as part of who we are as far as diversity and inclusivity from the onset of the organization. That was always the goal was to be as, as inclusive as possible and accessible. So accessible to the audience is specifically we wanted to bring in the biggest number of types of people, backgrounds, levels of income, where people lived. It didn't matter to us. We wanted to be able to reach everyone. So that was always from day one, one of the most important things to us. As far as being inclusive, as far as our performers, we wanted to make sure that no matter what your background is, if you're a great singer, you can be featured. If you're a good colleague, you can be featured. And that's never been something we've ever had any issues with. It's something we want to feature more of so that, you know, we are dealing with people of all ages, disabilities, races, backgrounds, cultures, religions. So in and of itself, because I think we are coming from it from a perspective of being people who have been judged our whole lives as singers, but also the fact that we are women that we are coming from backgrounds that are not necessarily the biggest majority of people that makes us much more aware. And so, you know, we've, we've tried to make sure our board is diversified, that we get different perspectives that we ask our audience, you know, what, what do you see that you like? What are you seeing that could improve on a regular basis? So I think that that, you know, that may be a broad answer, but I think that that's really we come from that. So we try to embody that. It's sort of hard to narrow down because it's so profoundly what we do. As you look to engage this younger generation, do you have any advice for young aspiring opera singers who may be considering a career move into this field? Question whether those gatekeepers really have authority over you. Are are the people who are telling you no people whose opinions you would actually respect if they were talking about anyone else. And, you know, do you love it? Do you, is this what you wake up with in your heart every day? Then, you know, then that's, that's what it is that that's the thing for you. Yeah. I think that I'm, I'm that person that someone says I can't. So I find a way to do it. 
just to spite them. <laughs> I think that's, that's who I am. Hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. If you don't love practicing, if you don't love it and enjoy that and have that be a respite for the rest of your stresses, it's going to be a very hard career. I would say that more than anything, in addition to what Marissa said, which I absolutely agree with, be open to whatever opportunities come your way, even if it's not something that was in your plan. My career has been exceptionally varied and gone in ways that I never, ever could have anticipated. I don't think either of us ever had a goal of opening and starting a company. It happened because the the pieces lined up so obviously to us that we fell into it and then we fell into it full force because we realized the need for it, but also the love that we had for it. Everything that I've done in my life career-wise that has been really positive has been because I've taken a leap into something I didn't know if I could actually do. I thought I could, I thought I might be able to, but because I trusted it myself enough that I could said, okay, I'm going to try it and see where it goes. It has opened so many more doors. So I think if you're, if you're set, I'm only going to sing if I can perform at the Met, that this is not the career for you. If you want to sing because you love singing, then it might be the career for you. If you're willing to make all those sacrifices and do all those things and also realize there is not one clear cut path for everyone. It's all very different, especially nowadays. You can learn more about Wilmington Concert Opera at their website, wilmingtonconcertopera.com. And a reminder that their next upcoming performance of Hansel and Gretel is November 10th through the 12th. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I look forward to seeing kind of all the exciting things coming uh, now through the end of 2024. 